This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Jennifer Aniston opens up about infertility. A contestant from Love is Blind says that she would abort a baby who has Down syndrome. And a man has won a female beauty contest in New Hampshire. This is an episode about children, human nature, the rejection of God's intended order, how that is shaping our culture and how Christians should respond. And at the end, we've got a low-rise gene segment because unfortunately they are still on the prowl and scarier than ever. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. Okay, guys, it'll be a fun episode. We've got a lot to get through. I know we've been talking about politics for the last week or so because of the midterms. And I do encourage you to go back and listen to last week's episodes if you want to know my take on all that. And there's a lot that we could still talk about. Um, Some of the some of the outstanding elections and all that good stuff. And we will the rest of this week. But I just kind of wanted to take a break and talk about some of the things that are going on in pop culture, because as we say often politics is downstream from culture culture is downstream from theology and it tells us a lot about where we are about our moral landscape and one of the parts of our culture that I care most about that we talk most about is how our society looks at children how our society uh, sees child rearing sees raising the next generation how we are treating children I often say that children are always the unconsenting subjects of progressive social experiments. And that is true if you're looking at abortion, if you're looking at the forced virtual learning over the past few years because of COVID, forced uh, masking in classrooms, if you're looking at gender ideology, if you are looking at the reformation of the family and very often the reproductive technology that is necessary for the reformation of the family, commercial surrogacy. Children don't have a say in any of these things. They are unconsenting. And very often we don't know the consequences of these societal and technological changes. And we go forth anyway because, well, kids can't push back. They can't fight back. They can't defend themselves. They have no power. So kids are really just kind of uh, the victims of adults' wishes. And we see that reality in the different shows that we watch and the music that we listen to, the things that celebrities say, the articles and the books that we read. And I saw a scene from the show Love is Blind. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. I think I watched one season on Netflix a couple years ago, maybe like the OG season. I haven't really kept up with it, but people have been asking me, did you hear about this contestant named Nancy Rodriguez on Love is Blind talk about um, aborting a baby because the baby has Down syndrome. This is something that apparently she's very proud of. So I wanted to play you this clip and then talk about why I think it's 
important for us to know about, discuss, and rebut. Here it is. With Down syndrome, there's so many complications, medical and also um, learning complications. And I see the amount of trauma that it does to like the family. For me, if I knew that I could try again and hope that the second time it's better, then I would go that route, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I would never, I could never do that, especially knowing that we were trying to have a kid, just just abort mission because they're going to have some challenges and we're going to have some yeah. challenges. I, I'm mentally tough enough to handle whatever challenge that may present, and I just could never pull the plug like that. Yeah. That's rough. I could not do that. I'm sorry. Yeah. So first of all, good for him for pushing back on her. Good for him for seeing that as the brutal argument that it is that just because your child has some kind of disability that you're just going to discard him or her. Now, later on, he does go on to say that he is okay with abortion in some circumstances. And so I don't think he's some like stalwart pro-lifer here, but I do appreciate that you can kind of see him, if you're watching this on YouTube, immediately recoil when she admits that, yes, she would abort a child just because he or she has a chromosomal abnormality in Down syndrome. He doesn't like that. He does kind of caveat and then say, oh, yeah, he's pro-choice and all of that. But I do think it's interesting to see people's initial reaction. When you confront someone, even someone who considers themselves pro-choice with an argument of blatant eugenics, saying if I have a child that is not genetically perfect, if I have a child that has any kind of abnormality or disability that might make life more difficult for them or for me, then I am going to kill that child because it might add complications to our lives. I mean, that is brutal. That is cold. That is calloused. And I think when you are actually met with that kind of argument, it's very difficult for people, even those who might have some reasons for thinking that they are for the choice of abortion in some circumstances. It's really tough to get behind something like that. And so for her to have come to this conclusion, to be able to say so, so confidently on television to millions of people means that her heart has become so hardened that she is so unable uh, to see the humanity of human beings who have genetic differences, who have disabilities, so unable to see the humanity of life inside the womb, so callous has she become that she doesn't even realize how absolutely demonic she sounds. But in her defense, she really is just carrying the torch of Margaret Sanger. Like she is simply inheriting the arguments that have been made by eugenicists, by the pro-abortion movement for a very long time. Now, the pro-abortion movement has been really good over the past couple of years, or couple of years, past hundred years is what I meant to say, um, about PR. They are really good at marketing. They are really good at euphemisms. They are really good at saying things that they don't actually mean. They have come up with all of this ridiculous terminology to make you forget about what abortion is and what the procedure actually does 
They'll say pregnancy tissue rather than even fetus sometimes or unborn child. They'll use fetus, even though it's just Latin for small child, in order to make you forget that you're talking about a human being. You are talking about a baby. Fetus is not a more scientifically accurate name, by the way. It's just a way for the pro-abortion side to kind of uh, dehumanize life inside the womb. So you'll forget about what's actually happening. They use reproductive freedom, reproductive choice, bodily autonomy, women's rights. They will do absolutely anything to avoid saying what an abortion is, what it does, and will do anything to distract you from the fact that there are multiple human beings involved in every single abortion. They'll use the term medical procedure, life-saving medical procedure. How many life-saving medical procedures do you know that have the intention of killing someone? How many safe procedures are there uh, in which at least one person always dies? That's what we always hear, that abortion is safe. Safe for whom? It's not safe for the other human being involved. And so I'm actually thankful that Nancy Rodriguez is just telling it like it is in the sense that she's not really using the euphemisms. She's just saying what is inherent in abortion ideology and what is inherent in the pro-choice side. Because even if you're like this guy who is kind of disgusted and repulsed initially by her statement that she would uh, abort a child with Down syndrome, like, and then he kind of backtracks a little bit on that later on, even in, even in his argument, even in uh, his take on abortion is the same inherent idea that she has even if he had a little bit of a different reaction. Their, their premise is the same. Their concept of human life is the same, that some human beings are not worthy of life, that some human beings, either depending on the circumstances surrounding their conception, depending on their ability or disability, depending on the desires of the mom or the dad or their socioeconomic status, it's okay to kill them. I mean, that is what is the inherent belief among all people who call themselves pro-life. Whether you call yourself personally pro-life, but politically pro-choice, whether you say that you're only for abortion in certain circumstances, uh, whether you say that you're only for abortion within the first trimester, still inherent in your belief and your assertion is that some human beings just aren't worthy of life. And you think that you and the government um, get to determine that. You think that the government, I know that like the pro-choice side always says you want to get government out of healthcare, but actually by being pro-choice, you are giving the government the power to say that some lives are not valuable, that some human beings are okay to murder. So you're actually asking the government to do something a lot bigger than pro-lifers are. Pro-lifers are simply saying, look, government, recognize the right to life of all innocent human beings, no matter their stage of development, no matter how old they are, no matter how developed they are. Um, and so I'm, I'm actually thankful for her frankness. Like I'm thankful for her honesty. I really hope it causes some pro-choice people to think about maybe why did you recoil? If you consider yourself pro-choice, like why are you uncomfortable with her argument? Like, does it make you feel 
a little weird when you hear pro-choicers say, oh yeah, if I found out that my kid wasn't perfect in some way, even if I had all the means to take care of them, I would have them dismembered. I would have them poisoned. I would then have them then have them discarded. If that makes you a little uncomfortable, you should really dig into that and ask yourself why. All right, quick break to tell you guys about Covenant Eyes. This is an amazing company with an amazing software for you and your family to protect yourself against our pornified culture. You download Covenant Eyes onto all of your devices and it blocks pornography. The age that kids are having access to porn online is getting younger and younger, sometimes as young as nine years old for boys. And part of our job as parents is to protect our kids' minds, to protect their hearts, to preserve their innocence as much as we can. That is what we do as stewards of our child. Um, And so this is one tool that you can use in your tool belt to make it easier for you. There are also accountability features so you can model online integrity for your kids as well. I mean, this is a way to not just guard your heart and mind, but also to protect relationships as well because porn destroys. It destroys families. It destroys relationships and marriages and just culture as a whole. So take action today. Get Covenant Eye software. Block porn on your children's devices. Model online integrity for your kids by using accountability on your devices as well because what we do speaks louder than what we say. Get Covenant Eye's accountability software for free for 30 days by visiting coveyes.com slash Allie. That's C-O-V-I's.com slash Allie. Also, just uh, just a second on abortion or on Down syndrome, rather. Um, I have spent a good amount of time with both children and adults with Down syndrome. When I was in high school and going into college, I volunteered and then worked on staff at a place called Camp Barnabas. And it is a camp for kids and adults with special needs uh, in Missouri. Some of the greatest days of my life, the most joyous days, some of the most difficult days of my life um, were spent at Camp Barnabas. And I, God has really given me a heart for people with special needs, but also I think Uh, a particular ability to be able to communicate with them and connect with them and love them. We had uh, these Valentine's Day dances when I was in college where uh, we had, it was like a Valentine's party with uh, a community in the area that helped adults with Down syndrome and with special needs. And again, just some of the most joyous nights of my life. Why? Because these are some of the most joyful people, the most fun people that you will ever meet. I mean, their joy and their gratitude and their friendliness is so pure and so good that just their presence uh, adds something to the world. It adds something to families. It adds something to communities that you and I, just with our ability to grow cynical and um, to be judgmental and to be closed off, we just don't have the same ability, I think, to give as much as a lot of people with um, uh, with Down syndrome and with other special needs have. It's just different. I mean, when Jesus says that we need faith like a child in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, he is talking about the kind of full trust 
and uh, reliance and dependence that comes with an innocent child. And while a lot of kids and adults with Down syndrome, um, they are able to mature in a way that a lot of other adults can. They do maintain, in general, a childlikeness about them in their faith and in their dependency and in their joy and in their gratitude that we shouldn't be denigrated, denigrating, but rather we should be trying to emulate. Um, and so for this person to say that just because someone's life might be hard, just because someone might have some medical needs that you're going to kill them. What if you have a child that you don't find out that there's something wrong with them until after they're born? The second they're born, you find out that they had Down syndrome. That's possible, by the way. You can miss the markers when they're inside the womb. What are you going to do then? Would you Would you discard your child then? The second they're outside of the womb? If not, why not? The only difference is location. The only difference is time. And those are really arbitrary standards to apply to someone if you're deciding whether or not they should live or die. There are all kinds of things that our children might develop outside of the womb. There are all kinds of medical needs that they will have, even the healthiest kids. They will add complication to your life. They will add difficulty. They might grow up to have a hard life for things that you could not detect through genetic testing while you were pregnant. Yeah, that's part of parenting. Part of parenting is sacrifice. Part of parenting is difficulty. And really, like, there is just no other love like being a mom or a dad to kids, whether they have a lot of medical needs or not. There is a selflessness that is inherent in motherhood and in fatherhood that is just unlike anything else. And I'm just wondering, maybe if Nancy, if she's actually met with this situation one day, if that'll change. I mean, I know people, they get sonograms and then they have abortions. There are a lot of evil and callous people out there. But man, I'll just never forget seeing my oldest on the sonogram first trimester, 11 weeks, and just being stunned into tears that this child who my husband and I created was a fully formed baby in the first trimester, kicking and punching and moving. She was small. She just needed time and nourishment to grow, to be able to meet us outside of the womb. But she was fully formed right there. Arms, legs, fingers, toes, brain, lungs, heart. I mean, We saw all of it right there. And it's hard for me to believe that even someone as callous as Nancy would be met with the humanity of life inside the womb and then say, kill it. It's not beyond imagination. Unfortunately, that happens every day. Not all women who get abortions are victims. Did you hear me? Not all women who get abortions are victims. I think we as pro-lifers should stop talking about them as if they are. Many women know exactly what they're doing. And uh, they do it anyway. I don't know if that's Nancy or not. But wherever you fall on this issue, I just encourage you to think about her words. Think about why they make you uncomfortable. Uh, Think about why you have never really been able to justify or defend um, your stance that some human beings, depending on their size or age or uh, ability, should be killed legally. That's a really, really untenable position, especially as a Christian. All people, including babies in the womb, including babies with Down syndrome, are made 
in the image of God. They have souls. They're never clumps of cells. They're not just clumps of matter. They're human beings, just like you and me. They have just as much value as you and me in or outside of the womb. And when you take away that belief, like when you start to say, well, some people are not made in the image of God. Some people are not valuable. Some people should be killed. Well, you sound a lot like the Nazis. You do. I mean, they killed babies and children and people with disabilities. I mean, that's part of where Margaret Sanger got her ideology. They really inspired each other in a lot of ways. Margaret Sanger started Planned Parenthood. I mean, it's funny that in an age where we're willing to tear everything down, whose foundation we don't like or we disagreed with, Planned Parenthood still remains for a lot of people who claim to be empathetic and for social justice, like some kind of beacon of women's rights. Come on, you know. That's satanic. You're following the father of lies. There's no excuse for it. There's really not. All right. I want to switch gears to this next story, another pop culture story, but kind of on the other end of this, but similar because we're still talking about children. Jennifer Aniston just did this exclusive interview with Allure magazine a couple days ago, a few days ago, and she says that she wishes that she had frozen her eggs. And, you know, Jennifer Aniston is someone that I think about whenever I see her on magazines. And I I just think, I wonder why she never had kids. Because I still remember several years ago now, I remember reading an article about her when I was, I don't know, maybe in middle school or high school, um, that when she was married to Brad Pitt and the reporter asked her, are you pregnant? Um, Or are, you know, are you going to have kids or whatever? And I remember her saying, not yet, but we're having fun trying. And you don't say that if you don't want kids. You don't say that if that's not a hope or a desire that you have. So really, I don't know why that stuck with me, but it's always stuck with me. And it's always kind of made me sad that she did not become a mom. And I just kind of wondered why that was, if she was just so dedicated to her career, if after her and Brad ended things, if she was like, you know what, there's just no one else that I really want to have kids with. And I don't know, it just bummed me out whenever I thought about that for her. So I was really interested to read this article that she says, because she says to Allura Magazine that she struggled um, with that she struggled with infertility and she really wanted to have kids. Here's what she said. She said, I was trying to get pregnant in my 30s and 40s. It was a challenging road for me, the baby making road. Um, All the years and years and years of speculation, it was really hard. I was going through IVF, drinking Chinese teas, you name it. I was throwing everything at it. I would have given anything if someone had said to me, freeze your eggs, do yourself a favor. You just don't think it. So here I am today. The ship has sailed. Now, here's something that she says, which I think is interesting. She says, I have zero regrets. I actually feel a little relief now because there is no more. Can I? Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't have to think about that anymore. Now, I guess what she is saying then is that she is relieved because now she's in her 50s and she is relieved that she doesn't have to. I mean, the window has completely closed. She is unable to get pregnant. Her biological clock says no. And so she doesn't have to worry about it anymore. Um, But the problem is, of course, that she waited until her late 30s and 40s to try to get pregnant. Now, I say that um, as someone who has lots of friends and lots of family who got pregnant in their 30s and even friends who got pregnant in their 40s. I'm not saying that that's not something that someone should try to do or that that's a bad thing. 
uh, or anything like that. But we also know that it is the older that you get, especially after the age of 35, the more difficult it is to get pregnant, which is one of the reasons why our birth rate is lowering in the United States more precipitously than it has ever in all of history. Because very many women, whether voluntarily or not, some women don't want to be, but they are pursuing careers in their 20s and 30s and putting off having children and in some cases getting married until they're 38 years old. And they're surprised to find that they just don't have the same ability to get pregnant as they did when they were 25 years old. As I said, for some women, it wasn't an option. They didn't meet the person they were going to marry. They wanted to, but they didn't, or they weren't able to get pregnant until they were 38, whatever. I know that there are a variety of reasons why some people might wait, but there are certainly more women than ever in all of history at any place who now both have the ability and the desire to put off having children for work until their late 30s. Now, I don't know exactly why Jennifer Aniston uh, apparently waited until her 30s and 40s. I'm guessing it probably had to do with career, but maybe it also had to do with relationships. Now, I do think it's interesting. We see this in in celebrity culture a lot that she was trying to get pregnant, I guess, when she was not married. So I don't know if she had a sperm donor or what was going on here, but apparently that wasn't something that was super important to her. And we do see this more and more with reproductive technology that you can just get a sperm donor. You can be a single woman. And if you want a biological child, then you can figure out a way to do that. Now, I think that's wrong because you are forcing fatherlessness. And fatherlessness, if we look throughout scripture, is exclusively a category of vulnerability. We are called to advocate on behalf of the fatherless because fatherlessness is such a tragedy. It's not a good thing. It's something that is to be mourned over and a problem really in society to fix, not a problem to cause simply because you want a biological child, which is a very natural desire, a very strong desire for women. There's nothing wrong with having that desire, but to purposely create a child, different than adoption, purposely create a child with the intent of taking them away from their father through sperm donation or from their mother through egg donation, you are causing fatherlessness and motherlessness. These are categories of vulnerability. They also lead, even just outside of the biblical problems with it, um, they, they also lead to different issues as the child is growing up. We have more data on fatherlessness because motherlessness is almost like a it's a complete historical aberration. Fathers tend to leave more than mothers do. Um, but we know the consequences of fatherlessness. You are far more likely to have an eating disorder, to be depressed, to be anxious, to be sexually active as a teenager, uh, to be delinquent as a teenager, to skip school as a teenager. Um, there are all kinds of issues that are far more likely when you do not have a father at home. And so uh, I, I don't know what she thinks about that. I don't know what her plan was for that, if she was using a sperm donor, if she was in a long-term relationship. But this is certainly something that we see more of now. Women who satisfy that very natural and God-given urge to have a biological child without any intention of having the father around, of taking that child away from their biological father through sperm donation. 
All right, next sponsor is Annie's Kit Club. So your kids are about to be off for Thanksgiving and then for Christmas. You don't just want to stick them in front of the TV or their iPad all day. You want their downtime to be spent in a way that is still constructive and productive. And so what better way to do that than by giving them a fun craft. That's why Annie's Kit Club exists. It is a subscription craft service. Shows up right to your front door. They send you a craft with all of the supplies and all of the instructions that your kids need. It's really perfect for ages about 7 to 13. They've got jewelry making. They've got STEM projects, woodworking kits, all kinds of stuff. Whether you have boys or girls, they will love it. Go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Get your first month seven 75% off with my link. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. You don't have to sign up for any long-term contracts or anything like that. Just take it month to month. See if it's right for your family. Go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. We saw Van Jones and his friend, I think it was last year, I wrote an article about it for World Magazine. They created a child because they wanted a child, but no intention of getting married, no intention of living together, just basically, I guess, friends with benefits. I mean, maybe it's a little better because Van Jones is going to be around, but you are, you again, you are purposely creating a child to put them in a situation of instability. And I think that that's cruel. I think that's cruel. Um, So it doesn't surprise me necessarily that Jennifer Aniston doesn't have the same ethical stance that I do on the rights of children. But um, I did think that this was interesting. She wanted a child so much, she threw everything at it. But then she says that she has no regrets. I wonder if that's true. I wonder if she can honestly say that she has no regrets. I also think like you look at someone who has everything, who is beautiful who has been an idol of beauty especially her hair for like the past 30 years who has so much money so much power so much influence and yet she still she still threw everything at the one thing that she did not have and that was pregnancy and having a child so she obviously still felt at that time like something was missing I mean, there are just some things that money really can't buy. And it also speaks to just how strong that biological urge is that God has given, uh, that God has given women. Also, speaking of egg donation, something that I meant to say in the last segment about the Love is Blind girl, Nancy Rodriguez, there's another scene in Love is Blind where she talks about donating her eggs, donating like tons of her eggs. And so, I mean, she could potentially have like hundreds of children out there who are going to long to see their mother, um, to meet their mother. We inherently want to know from whom we come. We inherently want to know whose we are, how we got here. And we inherently want to know the people that we are a part of, where we get our traits from, our physical traits, our personality traits. I think God gave that to us. It's part of being made in his image and also part of why he calls himself our father, because he alone can really meet that strong, inherent need that we have. But again, you are forcing, she is forcing her children into motherlessness, into estrangement, And how are you going to deal with that when they grow up and they want to know who their mom is and why she gave them away? Um, It's really sad. If you can't tell, I am against commercial 
ag- I'm against ag donation and sperm donation. I'm against a lot of the reproductive technologies that we have today. And I'm against commercial surrogacy. That gets me in trouble, even with Christians that listen to this podcast. And I have done, but I've done several episodes on it. We'll link the past ones. You can go listen to them. This does not mean that I think that you are not a great mom or that I think that your kids aren't made in the image of God because they are. They absolutely are. And I am sure that you are a wonderful mom. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the rights of children. And just because something is possible t- through technology does not mean that it is good. When we go from what's natural to what's possible, we have the obligation, especially as Christians, to ask, um, what's at stake? And if this is virtuous or not. All right. A few more things that I want to talk about. Let's just stay on the let's stay on the the baby subject for a second. And then we'll get into a couple more things. Um, Okay, Nick Cannon, again, kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum. So Nick Cannon is now fathering his 12th child, 12th child. And now this would be awesome if. It was just him and his wife, and they just decided to procreate. They wanted to, uh, you know, have a bunch of children. They don't believe in birth control. I would have been like, what, is he Catholic? Is he Mormon? I don't know. Or does he just really like having kids? I would be happy about that. But the fact is, is that he has several mothers of his children. Let's see how many mothers. I think I have a list here. One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven. Um, oh, we got to repeat. Uh, a seven. It's it's a little difficult because they're like you got Mariah Carey, Brittany Bell, Brittany Bell, Abby De La Rosa, Alyssa Scott, Brie T. Tiesi, Lanisha Cole, then back to Brittany Bell, then back to Abby De La Rosa, then back to Alyssa Scott. Like you got, is it polyamory? What's going on here? Is it on purpose? Like, do all the women know that you are also getting these other women pregnant? Is it intentional? Or do you purposely not use anything to inhibit pregnancy? Like it's got to be some kind of, he's got to be motivated by something here. Because, I mean, this is a lot. These are a lot of people to support. These are a lot of women to make happy and to take care of. These are a lot of children to take care of. But the truth is, this kind of sexual sin is going to cause disorder, not just in his life, not just in these women's lives, but also in their kids' lives. Not only because they will have a father who just simply cannot be around unless they're all living in a commune. Um So they're not going to have a present father. Also, like a lot of these women are probably going to start dating someone else. They might get married to someone else. And statistically, while there are amazing stepdads, so don't hear me say that there aren't, statistically, the most likely person to abuse a child is the mother's boyfriend or whatever man, non-father, that the mother brings into the home. That's just statistically true. So these kids are put into a state of perpetual instability, uh, chaos, not knowing when they're going to see their dad probably and not knowing what kind of father figure or man or boyfriend is going to be in their home and how safe they are. That is why anytime you step away from God's intended order for the family, there is going to be suffering. There is going to be disorder. There is going to be chaos. There is going to be sadness. There is going to be loss there. Like even if we look at uh, Abram and 
Sarah or Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and how she became pregnant with Abraham's child. Sometimes people use that as like a defense of commercial surrogacy, but actually we saw that that really wasn't what was supposed to happen in that that wasn't the uh, that that wasn't the first intended route. And it ended up in a lot of brokenness and sadness and rejection and pain and resentment. So we see any time we go outside of God's intended order, there is hell to pay. I mean, I guess in more ways than one. But the victims of this primarily are going to be the kids who, again, did not consent to this kind of family makeup and are possibly going to suffer from the trauma that this causes for the rest of their lives. But again, adults' desires, I mean, that's the theme that we've seen throughout this, adults' desires seem to trump the well-being of children, especially when it comes to the sexual revolution that has just changed everything about how we view marriage, how we view divorce, how we view sex, how we feel, uh, view childbearing and child rearing. It is because we have exchanged the foundation placed for us by the God of scripture with a worship for the God of self and the world of the God of self, our feelings rule, our emotions reign. And we can't even really comprehend what it means to do something that we do not want to do because we worship ourselves. And that's got us to a really dangerous place. You know, for so long, like progressives talked about a new society. We have to create a new society. We have to um, tear down traditions and the old institutions and the old ways. And we have to do things differently and we have to create something new. And I used to say, okay, what are you going to do when we get there? I mean, what is that going, what does that really look like? Are you ever going to say, is the left ever going to say, okay, this is the new society that we've been working toward. We've redefined everything. We've broken down all the old things. And now people are just free to be who they want to be, live how they want to live and to follow their own truth and their own happiness. And I've wondered what that world would look like. And then I realized that we are there. We're there. I don't think it's as bad as it could be. But yeah, I mean, when you have two men, for example, who are legally able to buy the eggs of one woman and rent the womb of another woman to create a child, to purposely take that child away from both their biological mother and the woman who gestated them and to bring them into their home, into a motherless situation, that's just one example of the consequence of the sexual revolution, then yeah, I would say that we have reached the society that progressives wanted. How are we doing? How are we doing? Are we happier? Are we more fulfilled? Do we have more friends? Do we feel a greater sense of purpose? More belonging? Are we more stable and secure? Are we safer? Are we happier than we were 50 years ago? So after the past few decades of just following our hearts, of determining our own truth, of doing what we want to do, of getting rid of that old religion and the chains of Christianity and just ignoring all of that archaic stuff and redefining everything, how we see fit. Are we happier? Are we smarter? Are we better off? No, actually, I think we're the opposite. We're lonelier. We're more isolated. We're more depressed. We're more anxious. We're more purposeless than we ever were before. And so I don't know, maybe just just taking a wild guess 
the promise that progressives gave us that just trust us if we tear down everything that used to be and just let you do whatever you want to, you'll be happier. Maybe it didn't fulfill. Maybe that's because it's a satanic lie. And just like Satan tempts you to sin by painting a picture of how awesome it'll be when you do sin, never telling you the consequences on the other side. Maybe that's kind of what's happened here. Here we are. We're not happier. We're much worse off. All right, let me tell you about GenuCell. GenuCell is a skincare company. And listen to this review from Carmen from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. She says, love GenuCell. I've struggled to find a product that didn't irritate my skin. This is the only one that I have found able to use without problems. Not only do I love it, but my skin feels like velvet. Love, love, love it. And GenuCell is so sure that you are going to love their products that they guarantee results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. Right now, every most popular package order includes GenuCell's Hyaluronic Acid Correcting Serum for free. And so if you are looking at fine lines or wrinkles or a sagging jawline, this can be super helpful. Go to GenuCell.com slash Allie. Your most popular package includes a holiday gift set plus free express shipping. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Allie. GenuCell.com slash Allie. Um, all right, just a couple more segments. Um, I want to talk about this. Speaking of like disorder and rearranging God's order, this uh, guy who identifies as a girl, you might have seen this on social media. Uh, he won a beauty pageant in, let's see, where is it? Oh, in New Hampshire. He won Miss Greater Dairy 2023. And we will put up the picture. You can see. Um, we might have to circle this person because you won't be able to tell otherwise. Um, sorry, that was sarcasm. But this is according to Redux magazine. Uh, Brian Nguyen, uh, 19, was awarded the crown in the Miss Greater Dairy pageant held on November 8th in the Greater Dairy area of New Hampshire. The competition is a locally run event under the National Miss America series of pageants. And so the picture that we put up, they're standing on the stairs and um, a bunch of girls are around him and he's standing there. I mean, probably three times as big as them. It's very obvious that this person is a man. This person won this pageant. And I'm wondering, not just Okay, not just how does a man win a pageant against all of these very cute girls, but also how does this person win? Because under like no definition of beauty, would this person ever win a pageant? Like it, it doesn't make any sense. It's obviously pity. And I don't think that's mean to say because men who dress up like girls don't look attractive when they dress up like girls. They don't. That's not mean to say. You can be a really, really handsome guy. You can look awesome as a guy. But then when you dress up like a girl, you're ugly all of a sudden. Because guys do not make cute girls. Like, I don't care how much makeup you put on. I guess maybe if you do a ton and ton and ton of surgery and procedures, like you might look like uh, an attractive girl that has had a lot of work done. But look, God made men different. They made them with broad, he, he made them with broader shoulder, shoulders, shoulders, uh, a bigger jaw, a brow ridge, an Adam's apple, 
with smaller hips, with bigger hands, with bigger feet. I mean, they just don't look like women. Women can somewhat pass as men by looking more masculine. Men have a really hard time looking at like women. Even the most handsome guy, when he dresses up like a woman, he looks ugly. That's just the truth. So I'm sure that Brian is an attractive guy. I mean, he's, you know, he's a human being. He's made in the image of God. He's no less valuable, but he does not belong in a women's pageant. That's just the truth. And obviously he won this women's pageant, not because he is more attractive in any way than all of the cute girls that competed against him, because there were a lot of legitimate beauty queens that you can see that competed against him, but because they were trying to make a statement or maybe they were scared of backlash because they were trying to virtue signal. And that's just really sad. But that's also what progressivism does. It doesn't just destroy truth. It also destroys beauty. It can't create anything. It can't create anything at all, but it can't create anything beautiful. It hates beauty. And that's why you see it fighting against uh, not just the family, but also the concepts of like health and physical fitness. And I mean, that's part of just what it does. It's destructive in nature. And so, of course, it's trying to destroy that which is objectively beautiful. I'm not saying that everyone has to look the same or everyone has to be a size two in order to be beautiful. I don't believe that at all. But I also don't think we should lie to ourselves and say that this guy, who is very clearly a man with a lot of makeup on, um, is more beautiful than all of the very pretty girls that he competed against. You only do that if you're scared. You only do that if you have just completely become deluded in your mind. Um, And I think it's really sad. I think it's sad that his parents have allowed him to do this. I think I feel I'm sure that there are parents of girls in that beauty contest that won't say anything, but are like, this is absolutely bogus. And by the way, he won um, a scholarship for this. He won, I think it was a $7,500 scholarship for winning this that was supposed to go to a woman. Okay, like you see what's happening now? Like, do you do you understand why maybe this is unfair? Or maybe this isn't right. Wow, it is so important for us as parents to make sure that we are teaching our kids that which is beautiful and true and just affirming that to them in every single way. Last sponsor for the day, and that is Birch Gold. I don't have to inform you that inflation is out of control. It is only getting worse. And unfortunately, our government is making it worse by spending all of our money on, say, Ukraine, yeah, it's a really big problem. So you want to make sure that your savings are secure. You can do that with Birch Gold. Text Allie to 989-898 for your free info kit on diversifying into gold. Plus, when you do it this month by Black Friday, get a free gold bar with every purchase that you make by December 22nd. With almost 20 years experience, converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals, Birch Gold can help you. So text Allie to 989-898, claim your free info kit on gold, and ensure your eligibility for a free gold bar with every purchase. Allie to 989-898. All right. The theme of all of that was disorder is bad and order is good. There is a God who created the heavens and the earth. There is a God who created order. He created our bodies. He created our genders. He knit us together in our mother's womb. All of us are made in his image, male or female, at the moment of conception onward. We love our neighbors and in a healthy and right sense, love ourselves 
I don't mean in the typical superficial secular self-love sense, but just in being grateful for being made, being made how and who you are, we do those things by aligning ourselves with his order, by teaching our kids his order, by infusing the goodness of his order in every sphere that we occupy. Going outside of God's order, whether it's how we create children, whether it's destroying the children that we create, whether it's trying to deny the reality of male or female, whether it's trying to subvert his order when it comes to how um, how we arrange families and marriages, it's always going to create chaos. It's going to create the depressed and anxious and sad and listless and purposeless world that we live in now. God is love, First John 4, 8. His order is good that we see in Genesis 1. Now, speaking of things, just to end, that are not beautiful and good. We've got our last segment of the, segment of the day, and that is a low-rise jeans segment. Um, you guys know that I am against low-rise jeans. As you can see, my little middle sticker right there, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm against low-rise jeans. I will protest against low-rise jeans. This whole like early 2000s trend that we have coming back, thanks to Gen Z, I don't hate it. I don't. I actually think some of the trends coming back are cute. You guys have seen some of my outfits look like I'm in 1999. I love it. I'm not complaining. But look, I've had two kids. I've had two C-sections. Like I am not going to wear low-rise jeans. And by the way, no matter how cute you are, I personally think that a good mid-rise or even high-rise looks better on almost everyone. A low-rise below your hips? It just, I'm protesting against it. That is going to be my platform if ever I start my own political party. So as we have done in the past, my team is going to show me some pictures of low-rise jeans and I am going to rate them for you. You need to watch this segment on YouTube. It's that important. All right. First, first low-rise jean. Um, okay, so we got, is this Katie Holmes? Oh, I could even tell with her mask on. Um, I think Katie Holmes is beautiful. Now, here's like another like low-rise jeans trend that I don't understand, and it's called the saggy baggy crotch. She has, it's like, these are very low, but they're also about three sizes too big, and the jeans have a saggy baggy crotch. And I don't understand that. She's a beautiful person. She's got a beautiful figure. Just like I just said, everyone would look better with a nice little fitted mid-rise. And so I'm going to rate these, let's see, one through 10. I never remember the scale, 10 being the okayest and one being the absolute worst. Um, It's Katie Holmes. And I feel like I like Katie Holmes. And so I'm going to say that... uh, I'll say that they're a five. I mean, they're pretty bad, but they're maybe not as worse as they as bad as they could be. So I'll I'll rate these a five. Okay, next one. Is this Zendaya? Is that how you pronounce it? Zendaya, Zendaya. Um, she's also so super cute. I think that she's like one of the prettiest people in the world. I oh, okay. So obviously, like, not a huge fan of the cardigan as a shirt also gosh such a flashback to the early 2000s i so remember when the short like the short cardigans were in now i was wearing a shirt under it unlike our girls and daya's and daya here um yeah and also those like uh short juicy jackets i didn't have one but i I remember my friend had a pink like short juicy jacket that she would wear like a a wife beater under and that was 
supposedly cute at the time. We're probably talking like 2002. So let's see. I mean, these kind of look like men's jeans once again. Um, but and we got saggy baggy crotch once again. All right. I think that's I guess that's the thing. Oh, and again, I just think that it would look so much cuter if in just like a nice little fitted jean, but the sides are up over her hip. So I appreciate that. And she's, I mean, she looks really cute. I, I'm going to go with like a six and a half. I think it's okay. Okay. Next one. Oh, this is one of the Hadids. Don't know which one. I don't think I like them. Um, and this one is like, we've got a cargo situation going on. Um, and what is the deal? Except for the Katie Holmes one, all these people wearing low rise jeans and they forgot the other part of their shirt at home on accident. And so for, and it kind of looks like she like has her shirt lifted up. It's very odd. And you can like see her underwear, very weird situation. Don't like it. It does remind me of like, what was it? Xenon, the girl of the 21st century. Do y'all remember that? Yeah. It reminds me of some kind of futuristic thing like that, like 2001 or maybe something that they would have worn on Brink, like while you're skateboarding. I'm going to go with like a 3.2. I feel like she shows up on every list of low rise jeans. And so I could like, I could attribute this trend to her. And so I have some animus against her. All right. Do we have any more? Okay. Oh my gosh. Is this Julia Fox? I'm really actually proud of all of my, of my ability to identify all of these celebrities. Um, oh my gosh. She is such an odd person. I kind of respect how odd she is though, that she just seems to not care about anyone. And she, I guess, makes her own clothes. I feel really weird about this outfit. It's really, really ugly. But I think that she knows that it's ugly and she's just going to go for it. I don't want it up on the screen any longer. I'm going to have to give this a two. I mean, her pants are almost on the ground in this picture. It cannot be comfortable. If she takes another step further with her tiny little denim bag, her pants are going to fall off. So I'm going to go with a two. It's not a zero because I think Julia Fox, I mean, you know, she's probably trying to be fashionable, but let's just go with the two. Okay, last one. What? Is this also Julia Fox? Okay, this is the worst thing that I've ever seen in my life. Okay, this is going to be a zero. And I think that we need to take it down. I think we need to take it down. It might, it's just a little too inappropriate. Um, yeah, she like had her like pants unzipped. No, 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 no. Why does anyone want to do this? Bring back the mid rise, bring back the high rise. I am going to stay with that. Just trust me on that. I know that I betrayed a lot of you when I moved my hair towards the center. And a lot of you are still bitter about that because I said that I was never going to do the middle part and that I liked my side part. But now I look back and I'm like, I hate my side. I hated that. I hated that. I can't believe I, I, I didn't like it on me. I'm sure it looks great on those of you who still have it, but I didn't like it. I like this a lot better. And by the way, it's not a full middle part. It is still off center. So you can say that I've compromised a little bit, that I've given into the culture, that I've allowed Gen Z to influence me. But if I ever show up with low rise jeans, I don't know what you can do to me. You can get angry at me. You can throw tomatoes at me. I don't know what it is, but I, 
it, I will have lost my I will have lost my mind if I ever show up in low rise jeans. Just could never do it. I continue my campaign against it. All right, that's all we've got for today. Please leave us a five-star review. If you love this podcast, subscribe on YouTube, like this video. If you have not already, we will be back tomorrow with lots of good stuff. See you guys then.